0: chd3 detroit amps hd3 seattle wbmx hd3 boston and on aol radio and yahoo launch psychic radio is now cbs radio's the sky back to behind the paranormal with paul and ben eno call now 248 545 soul new skyradio.com believe
1: what would confuse a ghost Is all this about some ghosts, quote, not knowing they're dead, unquote, really true? Is there any way to unconfuse them? Hello there, and welcome to the
2: 288th broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Those questions came from my co host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. And I guess the answers depend on the question,
1: what is a ghost? Now, we'll be looking at that again tonight. Our subject this evening is confused ghosts. Uh, Sorry, somehow on the website it just said open lines. But yeah, sure, call in with your own stories, if you will. But we're going to be concentrating on confused ghosts and a couple of emails about that. And I'm dusting off some cases that go back over 40 years in my own research. Uh, I've never spoken or written about them before because I have frankly been embarrassed by the psychic or mediumistic implications of what I experienced. I know that's probably... Uh, kind of hard for you to understand, but when you're in the seminary uh, studying for the priesthood and under threat from suspicious superiors who don't like what you're doing in the paranormal or any kind of paranormal work, and this is back in the 1970s, you tend to get a little bit paranoid. And also, <clears throat> over the years, I and now we have been critical of many or most psychics and mediums uh, for either not knowing what they're doing or not doing it. Quite in the right way, or, or not interpreting things in the right way, and I'm a little nervous whenever cases come up that make me look like one of, of, of these psychics or or uh, mediums. And I had for a while um, come out more clearly about that. And, and I don't know. Anyway, I, I, it's, it's a little hard for me to come out of the closet, so to speak. So anyway, some of these cases uh, will, however, appear in my next book, Dancing Past the Graveyard: What Ghosts Have to Say About God, if I ever finish it. One of the many things my extraordinary son has taught me is that these experiences were what they were and shouldn't necessarily be rejected or ignored because they were uncomfortable or didn't fit my own academic or theological expectations for paranormal experiences. Oh, um, I'm sorry. Okay, wake up. (laughs) I keep forgetting these things are
2: double sided. So, in the paranormal, in other words, in the multiverse, uh, everything that happens to us should be t- tested and treated with extreme caution, but in the end, it is what it is. Sometimes if we do, if we hope to do any good, we just have to accept it and act on it.
1: It took me a long time to accept that. But anyway, by 1977, I had been thrown out of the seminary anyway because they didn't like my research, uh, but I kept working at some new theories and methods... Uh, that would lead me further and further away from the classic spiritualist interpretation of what ghosts are, and more and more into what Ben and I today call multiverse awareness. So, what about the confused ghost who was convinced that God hated him? Yeah, well, that was that was a really uh, really strange one. Uh, actually, I've run into several of those over the years, strange as they may be. The last one was in 2007 when I received an email from a man in Wisconsin who had heard me on the radio the night before, and then way back, one of our early shows, we, we talked about this a little bit. And here's a quote from that note, email, I should say. 28 years ago, my friend killed himself. On the day of his funeral, he came to me in a dream and told me that he was going to have to spend a long time in purgatory because God was mad at him. Now, he and I were not Catholic. This really shook me up, so I called the minister I knew, and told him what happened. He said that strangely, a woman had just called him with the same story about the same person. I am now a Catholic. Remember that the only truth is Christ Jesus. Unquote. Now, this was all very fishy to me, uh, mainly because of the dubious implication that as soon as we die and pass over, quote unquote, we automatically know everything. That seems to be one of the uh, wild, broad assumptions that paranormal investigators and people in general seem to go on. This also seemed fishy to me, too, because I had uh, started out my paranormal research in the early 1970s with the very theory that ghosts might be souls in purgatory. And from day one, that's the last thing I found that they apparently were. So, anyway, uh, whatever this this email did for me, it uh, kind of reminded me of another case like it. The first ghost I met who was having a similar experience as the one supposedly in this Email, and it was almost as many years before. It was in late 1976. I was 23 years old. Feel free to chime in here, Ben. And tell me. Okay, I well, was. I'll let you tell your story first. So, I don't all right. Oh wait, I have something to say. Okay. Well, there yeah, whatever. You know, you're. You know, it's your show too. I was 23 years old, and I was in my second and as yet unbeknownst to me, final year at Saint Vladimir's Orthodox Theological Seminary near New York City. On weekends, most of of the seminary students would fan out over the New York, New Jersey area to visit various churches, nursing homes, and hospitals, uh, and to sing at divine services, counsel people, teach classes, or otherwise gain some personal experience for their future ministries as priests. Now, one Sunday that November, I found myself teaching a church school class at an urban parish in Greater New York. After the class, I got talking with some of the parents, and suddenly, out of the corner of my eye, I noticed that one of the other seminarians was pointing to me, and a frazzled-looking, middle-aged lady came scurrying over. That young man said, you know about ghosts, she blurted. Now, I knew I was on thin ice at the seminary because of this, and I kept a very low profile when it came to the paranormal, and apparently wasn't low enough. Anyway, as it turned out, this lady was having what might be called a classic ghost problem, footsteps and moaning in her attic. Now, a few evenings later, I managed to find the two-story single-family house in a dark back street in Yonkers. And in my initial interview with the middle-aged couple, I found that they were the parents of a grown son and daughter, but were recent empty nesters. And as I found in many cases, they also had worked out their own theory about what was happening in the attic. And you go in to some of these cases... I'm thinking of one particular case in Maine, Ben, that you, you certainly remember, uh, and they already, they already knew everything that was going on. I don't know what they wanted us to do, and of course they were wrong, but in any case, uh, you have to be diplomatic about how you tell what? people. There's term. no way to be wrong, because we're not entirely sure if we're right. Well, that, that's very true, yes. Uh, we have to keep our humility here, too, because you know, there are always new things to learn and surprises that come along. So anyway, this is what they told me. Uh, quote this from my notes. The guy who lived in, the, in this house before us killed himself out in the garage. We didn't find that out until five years after we moved in. This is what the husband told me. Uh, I remember he had a kind of a deep voice, accent like Yogi Berra, the old Yankees manager. Anyway, it's got to be him, he said. Well, I mean, there they are again, the unshakable assumptions. Dead people become spirits tortured ones if they commit suicide and they proceed to haunt the place where they did it nobody questions that uh, except for us I guess certainly there could have been a connection with this suicide because you know when you, when you now something like that occurs you, you send out a, a huge shout across space time and people in other parallel worlds especially if they're occupying the same space can sometimes pick them up and aha a ghost you know so, uh, sure, certainly, there could have been a connection, but uh, I'd already learned to take nothing in the paranormal at face value, uh, very little in the paranormal is what it appears to be, but because most investigators assume that it is, they tend to jump to conclusions and never really resolve anything, and they often forget that there are people involved on both sides. Anyway, I naturally checked the attic, and indeed the whole house for squeaky Wait, boards. Did you, did you come to these conclusions then, or was is- or like well, I was this time or were you
2: still sort of like
1: oh, yeah, it's ghost purgatory. Oh, no, 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 the, the whole purgatory after that that village of voices case that I talk about in faces in footsteps in the attic. I should say faces at the window. The uh the whole question of purgatory really started to 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 really just dissolve for me. I mean, as, as I said, these these people were not they showed no sign of being dead. They showed no sign of being in any kind of purgatory, they just seem to be going about their daily business. And I would find in case after case that things were not what the classic interpretation would be, if you realize the classic interpretation can be wrong. In other words, if you go into a case with the the, the classic assumptions that ghosts are spirits of the dead, and that, as, as this guy did, Say that the guy committed suicide in the garage. Therefore, it's most logically him haunting the house. Then naturally, that's pretty much what you're going to find because you're really limiting the parameters. When you take a more a broader perspective, realizing there could be all kinds of other explanations. <coughs> excuse me. And the multiverse, multiverse idea was not really had not quite formed in my head yet. Yeah. But there was an idea that, that there was a lot more to this than just spirits. Okay. So you were just sort of like, eh. I was still forming a lot of the ideas that we yeah, used today. Yeah, so you were just like, eh. So whenever they were like, oh yeah, it's dead people, you were just like, eh. And then what I was, and then the added drama here was on another level. I would get, I suppose, what you cannot avoid calling psychic impressions and communications that I just didn't want to deal with. I, I didn't want to be a psychic. I didn't really believe in it. Theologically, it was a problem. And the only... I mean, how is it
2: theologically a problem?
1: Well, because you're not supposed to communicate uh, with the yeah. quote-unquote the dead. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know. I forgot about that. Um, well, you've never been to seminars, so you can't be expected no, to know. No, no, I, I remember you mentioning that before. Sure. So, no, well, that's a big deal. So, I was trying to make it fit. I was trying to make what didn't fit, fit into my point of view, which already so, was changing. So, it's like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Yeah, effectively. Or, 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 or yeah, several. <laughs> Anyway. So um okay. Um anyway, this is what this particular um a fellow said. And again, again I was trying to uh, take a more a broader approach. Anyway, I was uh, I naturally again checked the attic, looked for any kind of no anything that could be making these noises you know the the footsteps or or the the, the moaning sound you know a, a, a window that 's open or even a little bit can make you know the sound in the wind and all this business everybody knows anyway so uh, naturally we checked uh, checked for all that uh, and um, the man said that these sounds could come and go without warning in other words it didn 't seem to be any pattern to them, so in any case. Because I threw out again all these accepted rules and assumed nothing about this situation, all sorts of interesting possibilities opened up. Uh, I ended up spending five evenings sitting quietly in that attic because, from the start, I felt an energy that, in subsequent years, I would identify with unstable world boundaries. There are people say, "Oh, how can you go into these basements?" Well, you, you've seen me. I, you know, and yeah. you're the same way. We, we don't. We're, we're not afraid of this stuff. No. We go right down to the basement or the attic or whatever. It doesn't bother us. A matter of fact, we find they're usually more afraid of us than we are of them, if it's something negative, some some cases anyway. Now, had I been a garden variety investigator or psychic, here's what I would have assumed. I would have assumed this uh, was, since I couldn't find any other explanation, natural explanation, there may have been an earthbound spirit, that's a common term, who needed help, quote, crossing over, unquote, because he hadn't realized that he died. This is the standard line. Now, deciding that this was the garden variety, uh, with the, w- w- deciding that this was what the garden varieties of today would call an intelligent rather than a residual haunting. Now, we've gone round and round with, with some uh, quote unquote experts on this show about this. And an intelligent haunting is supposed to be one that you can interact with. It's actually uh, the, somebody's personality or whatever. And a residual haunting is something that is supposedly recorded, as they say, on the environment. And as I've said several times, I was one of the early advocates of that right around this period. (coughs) Excuse me. But I have long since decided that that is a very unlikely scenario. Recorded on what and how. Uh, When I look back at it, I think it was a theory that was more or less come up with because you had no better explanation. Yeah. So I I don't really uh, believe in residual hauntings anyway. So anyway, this is what I would have thought. And I would have tried to contact this intelligent being by any psychic means available, this ghost. Now, if I did manage to contact him, if it really was him I contacted, I would have assembled a picture of his situation based on my two-dimensional 19th century spiritualist ideas. As for him, he most likely would hear me or see me as I would see him, as a kind of ghost or spirit or just a voice. Now, actually, we have to... uh, Uh, take a break here uh, on CBS News Sky Radio, NewsSkyRadio.com, Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. And we're talking about confused ghosts tonight. We'll continue with the story of this Yonkers ghost in just a minute. Stay with us.
0: Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248 545 Soul. New SkyRadio.com. Believe.
1: And welcome back. And we're talking about confused ghosts this evening. And I'm talking about one that I happened to encounter in a an attic in Yonkers, New York in 1976 when I was a student for the priesthood. And a lady came up to me uh, after a church one day and said, Well, you know, we got this, that, and the other thing. So I'm talking about wh- what my ideas were already changing from the classic spiritualist ideas of what ghosts are at the time uh, to something entirely different, such as we have today. And what I, I was, before our break, I was just describing what I would have been doing and thinking if I were a garden variety ghost hunter of today. Of course, that was unknown not unknown, but very, very rare at the time. The term paranormal wasn't even in usage at at that point. But again, had I been a garden variety investigator or psychic, I would have assumed, again, this was an earthbound spirit, needed help crossing over, whatever that means, uh, that it was intelligent rather than residual, neither of which I really accept in the form most people do today, and I would try to contact this person. So, as I say, I ended up spending five nights uh, sort of sitting in this attic, and uh, I would assume, even then, that he would have seen me as a sort of ghost or spirit, or just maybe a voice, and the people had said experienced this, this ghost just through footsteps and moaning, you know, in a classic sense. And I would have uh, sought to guide him toward, quote, the light, which I would have assumed was heaven, or whatever sappy idea I had of that. In fact, if he saw such a thing at all, from where he was, it would almost certainly be the electromagnetic boundary of a parallel world. If he was dumb enough to listen to me, and able to pass through the light boundary, he could end up anywhere or anyone in the multiverse, just as likely worse off than he was when I bumbled onto the scene myself. Now because the people in this quote-unquote haunted house never heard from him again, I would rejoice and say, Aha, he has crossed into the light and is now at peace. In fact, I could have convinced him to cross the boundary into a hell. Good job. That's not what I did. I'm saying this is what I would have done. But good job for all these people who try and do that. You know, I mean, they have no idea what they're they're doing. No. That makes you feel any better. No, it doesn't. No,
2: no, no, no. I was going to make a comment. Please. I forgot what it was now, but... So I, have another no, com- just pipe, I had another. Pipe, I had another comment to back it up, just in case I forgot the earlier comment. In this comment, you want to get that I one, had, too. no? I recently watched a well-known film that, uh, well, everyone probably has seen who has ever been into the paranormal. I never saw it because I thought it was stupid, and I was I was correct; it was stupid. <laughs> okay. And I I looked at it, and I was just like, huh, because all the stuff that they did in this movie that. That made everything it. worse was everything that all the goofy ghost hunters do.
1: Oh, okay. So this is what they were doing, trying to guide yeah. people to the light. Which no, they no, no. Thought let, was... let
2: me let me explain. I don't know okay. if I can get in trouble for
1: saying the name of the film. I not... wouldn't. Well, well, uh, well how, I I, I wouldn't. Just we'll say the film. Okay. So boy, the boyfriend of
2: this girl who was being attacked by I I from my point from our point of view I would have said a parasite was like, oh, yeah, I'm totally going to videotape everything. And the girlfriend was like, no, don't. You're just giving attention to it, and it's going to make everything worse. She's like, no, 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 I got this. I'm going to help it. I'm going to help. And then he proceeded to get a Ouija board, uh-huh. and then that made everything worse. And then uh, other h- horrible things happened, and the girlfriend was like, no, you need to stop this. And he was like, no, 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 I'm totally helping. And then she ended up getting possessed and killing him. But that's... Oh, how nice. Yes, I know. It is. It was rather extreme, and I'm pretty sure that isn't that wouldn't happen. But the point being, I don't know.
1: I've seen some pretty awful things happen because of Ouija boards. Well, yeah, but no, including was, murders. It
2: was. It was. It was more than just the Ouija board. There yeah. were other things too, yeah. like stupid seances and other things. But well, yeah, maybe it maybe was,
1: wasn't that dumb. It showed you things you shouldn't do.
2: Yeah, yes, but I guess people went out and did them anyway.
1: Well, they're, they're, I mean, that's because the
2: ever since this movie came out, more people are like, "Oh, let's totally go Ghosted" because it's it, if it was supposed to push people away, then it it failed miserably. Okay, well, right? yeah, I see the, the point. If, if that was the original intent, it was very well shown. But think of other movies that had like really good intent behind them, but ended up backfiring.
1: Yep. Well, there you go. Well, in any case, I didn't do any of that. Here I am back in this a- attic in Yonkers. Uh, back then, I was already doing what I do now, even though my ideas about the multiverse hadn't really formulated yet. Uh, I do not believe that ghosts are either dead or spirits, especially if they're human. I believe that the whole person is there, body and all, in a perfectly physical, visually place time or situation where their reality overlaps ours now again i wasn't really clear on this at this time but this is one of the cases that really made me wonder what's going on here so i never contact them i should say we never contact them i can't speak for because he has his own way of doing things but he, he i know he agrees with these rules yeah i put myself where their world seems to be manifesting in ours such as in this attic and if they realize that i'm there at all and they can make the connection we might be able to communicate I say might because sometimes they are afraid, thinking that I'm a ghost. I tend to communicate verbally, surprise, talk show host, haha. So often there is an actual language barrier. They don't speak English or any language that I know. And very often what you meet isn't human at all. Sure, there are what we refer to as parasites and other negative entities, uh, but there are many non-human species out there, too, or in here in parallel worlds who are trying to make their way through their lives and understand the multiverse just as we are. They mean well and may or may not be aware of us or, any, or their other multiverse neighbors, and they may or may not be confused. I never and have never used sledgehammer methods like the seances or Ouija boards Ben was just talking about. It's like using a bulldozer to communicate with your unknown next-door neighbor by knocking down a front wall. You never know what's going to come out of that house through that big hole you've punched in space-time and come after you. Better to meet a neighbor in peace in his or her own good time. So that's the theory of how communication takes place with me anyway. So with all that in mind, let's get back to that attic in 1976. His name was Bob something. I couldn't catch the last name because his voice kept fading in and out. His name was Robert Paulson. Oh, Noam him, do you? No, no, oh. it's... Anyone who's ever seen Fight Club will get it. Anyway, right. And he was from a parallel world very much like our own. It took nearly two evenings for the communication to even begin. I simply sat in a meditative state with a clear mind and heart, and much of the reason for that was that I was searching, searching for the sense, the feel, even the smell of a parasite of anything negative that would indicate that his presence was not good and not what it seemed to be. But he eventually picked up that I was there. I tried to stay in a state of compassion so he himself wouldn't feel anything negative. Bob was indeed confused. He clearly remembered being in a plane crash. This is where it gets really interesting. But now he said he was in a big stone church, which he somehow knew was an Episcopal church in Virginia. Okay? He wasn't frightened, just confused, and he said his memory was changing as we spoke. Over the following three evenings, because needless to say I was fascinated by this, and I had no reason to believe that he wasn't telling the truth, Uh, I learned much more than I bargained for, and the food for thought that would last for years. Bob said that he was just pacing around in this church, and that all the doors were locked. He couldn't get out. Uh, he certainly wasn't dead, but his right arm throbbed something terrible, hence the moaning. He was convinced that God hated him because he had long since left the church, you know, as a a member. He was, and this is very interesting too, he was getting food and water from what appeared to be a parish hall in the basement of the church. Now, what does a ghost need food and water for, right? If this, if this, uh, if the classical theories are correct. So the first time he had been frightened was when he heard me talking and could only see a cloudy figure sitting in a corner of the church, presumably me, which he saw like some of us would see a ghost. That's pretty cool. During our slow draw, yeah, I I mean, this talking about—I don't know who was more confused at this point, him or me. Mm. During our slow, drawn-out conversation over those three evenings, it became clear that Bob's changing memory was a key to what was happening. Uh, Again, it took me a couple of years to figure this out. It seemed clear that he probably had died in a plane crash, but that his consciousness had immediately shifted to a life he was already living in a close parallel universe. That's how I would put it today. Because his consciousness merged so quickly with another subconscious adult life, his sore arm and his memory were having a little trouble catching up. Now, let me give you an example of how... Things that happen to you in a parallel so, way. Wait, wait,
2: wait, wait. Okay, alright. So, if his memory was getting. If it was trying to catch up on his new identity, or new personality, or new him, or whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, so, would that contribute to the idea of
1: what purgatory is? Well, oh, yeah, I suppose you could argue that. Yeah. Okay. Alright, well, uh, we have a. Can we read that? Yeah. Oh, we have a instant message from uh, someone. Um, Do you want me to read it? Yeah, please.
2: I just tuned tuned in, and I think I missed it. In what channel were you having this conversation? Using a medium EVP,
1: and that's from Carl in Michigan. Oh, in Michigan. Oh, well, hi, Carl. Thanks for writing in. Uh, no, I, I as I said, I I don't use mediums. I try not to be one. I try not to be a uh, psychic in the classical sense. I. Um, was just beginning to form, and this is the late 1970s, I was just beginning to form the theories that Ben and I use today, and they were a little bit um, uh, unformed at this time. What I was doing was sitting in a meditative state, very quietly in an attic, and I I didn't like to talk about this because I was, um, it sounds like I'm being a psychic, but this is beyond all that. I I don't think those terms uh, are good enough to explain these sorts of experiences. And as I said earlier in the show, when you dismiss, or at least allow for other possibilities than the common spiritualist approach, that these are spirits of the dead, uh, that they're stuck someplace, although uh, that, that, this guy seemed to be stuck in this church, and all the, this spiritualist stuff that I think is blowny all sorts of possibilities open up about parallel lives and parallel worlds so uh, that's essentially what I'm doing here and I'll continue this narrative of my communication with Bob in the attic in 76 uh, after we return and you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com stay with us, we'll be right back
0: Enlighten Empower, Enrich This is CBS Radio's The New Sky New Horizons no boundaries all day long we're devoted to your emotional physical and spiritual well-being with your direct connect to the stars lisa j smith the dr pat show liz souza barbara mackie Glennis McCants, the wake-up call with l newman and tom force Let us know how we're doing. 248-545-7685. Log on. NewSkyRadio.com. 24 hours a day. Your spiritual well-being is our concern. Awaken the extraordinary. Live the life you've imagined. Look up to the sky. CBS Radio's The New Sky. NewSkyRadio.com. New Horizons. No Boundaries. CBS Radio's The New Sky. On the web now. Log on. NewSkyRadio.com Hi, I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, astrophysicist and host of Star Talk Radio. Join me every week where I have celebrity guests, experts, and comedic co-hosts, where our task is to bring the universe down to Earth. psychic radio is now cbs radio's the sky back to behind the paranormal with paul and ben eno call now 248-545-soul new sky and
1: we're back and we're talking about a case that i operated uh, here back in 1976 in yonkers new york when i was a student for the priesthood of all things and people had contacted me about a problem they were having in their attic and My ideas were changing from the classic spiritualist ideas to what they are today, but they hadn't quite gotten there yet. So here I am in communication, something I would never admit to anybody, not even myself at that time, because I was so afraid of getting thrown out of the seminary, which I was anyway. And I was talking with Bob in this attic, and Bob seemed to be a, a fully operational human being, not a ghost, who seemed to be transitioning from one consciousness to another consciousness. It was really strange, and because he said that his memory was changing as we spoke, and um, he had a sore arm, and and uh, from a, apparently a, a plane crash, he'd been in in his previous conscious life. Apparently, he'd been killed, but he was not a ghost. He was fully operational, body and all, in this in what was becoming this new life. So we might have caught him right at the transition here. Uh, in why why would the arm still hurt? I think that we are very much in contact with our parallel lives. One example is when I was in the U.S. Coast Guard, I um, I don't know who I I annoyed at that particular time, but I drew uh, the duty of having to to go to Boston, commute literally to Boston from our home in Rhode Island for a whole week to go to the uh, district headquarters office up there to to, uh, work various things that I was assigned to. And I happened to be – I had the the hellish – experience of having to commute. To, I don't know how people do this every day, but having to commute to Boston and back every day. And I was in uniform, of course. And all Wait, of a sudden... you need a train or did you drive? I took the train. Good. And I like trains, so that made it bearable. Anyway, this particular fellow was coming down the platform, very crowded, and I felt that he hated me. Who hates the Coast Guard? We save people's lives, you know. But apparently, maybe he was—I don't know—they do a lot of other things. Maybe he was a smuggler, drug—you uh, know—drug dealer. Who, who knows? Maybe he'd run in. Maybe a, a fisherman had caught too many fish. I mean, who knows? But as he walked behind me, I felt a knife go into my back, and it obviously it. it I, and I, I literally kind of coiled away from this guy. And in a parallel life, I have no doubt that he killed me, probably. You know. And, uh, I don't know, a really strange uh, experience. That sort of thing happens when you're, you know, kind of aware. And that was many years ago. Uh, geez, it's been 20 years since I've done military service. But anyway, it was a, a long time. So anyway, here we have poor Bob. His consciousness was changing, the arm hurt, and everything else. And that was the best I could make uh, from what he was saying. Now, I tried to explain something like that to him, at least as much of it as I understood in 1976. And I was surprised that he immediately seemed to understand. What was really fascinating was that the more Bob accepted this consciousness shift, the clearer his memory became, his new memory. Toward the end of the final evening of our conversation, Bob was almost happy. With a suddenness that really startled me, I heard what was clearly a large wooden door opening and several voices shouting and greeting. I heard Bob call a very cheerful hello. Then his voice faded away. And I never heard it again. Neither did the people in the house. I strongly suspect, from the viewpoint that I have today, that his memory and his new world solidified, came together, became fulfilled, and he dropped flawlessly into who he already was. He probably didn't remember the plane crash anymore, the world where his consciousness and body had last been, or me for that matter. The consciousness shift was complete. Now, I've only run into this a few times, usually people, but but there are indications that this seems to be what happens to us. Now, uh, Bob might very well be the pastor of that church in Virginia, and he might be welcoming his family or the choir for its weekly rehearsal, something like that. As for the middle-aged homeowners in whose attic this communication took place, I felt I didn't have a hope of explaining this to them. I couldn't even explain it to myself. When they asked what happened, I simply said, you won't be hearing from him again. And they didn't. They accepted that. So they were just like, "Oh, all right." And then you just left. Yeah, they assumed that I had helped him transition into the next world. Or I suppose, in a funny way, I did. But I mean, this wasn't some kind of—you know—I wasn't going to heaven necessarily. I could have been. I suppose. I don't know. But I mean, this. When you look at this more deeply than the folklore lets you look at it, then it's really, really becomes. It really opens up the whole world for us. I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah. So. Uh, Speaking of of uh, opening, that was a kind of serious one. This this is an email. It's a little bit long, um, but wait a minute, I get, should be two pages here. uh Oh, there. I'll tell you what. I'll, why don't you uh, why don't you read this? This is from Nina in California, and I, I think it's a tra- it's a terrific email. It's one of the best we ever received. Just go with it. I think there's a second page which I'll find. Okay. Hi, Paul, and then. I see you two will be talking about confused ghosts, and I thought
2: I'd throw one of mine at you. Or one of my own at you. I grew up in a house near San Francisco, and from the time I was about five, we started being haunted by what I can only call a clumsy ghost. Oh, I <laughs> to think it was the Gary Larson cartoon. Uh, there didn't seem to be any reason for it, for it that we could tell. Nobody in the family died or anything, and from what we knew, everybody in the house... Uh, before us, uh, was living a pretty good life. and uh, But here was this ghost klutz falling down the stairs, tripping over stuff. At least that's what it sounded like. And I, I kid you not, we actually heard an occasional oof or ow, like <laughs> somebody hurting themselves. Sometimes we wouldn't hear it for weeks. Then, especially when the moon was full, believe it or not, it would go on all day and half the night. Uh before long it not only it not only didn't bother us, it actually amused us. There were no ghost hunters in those days, so there uh was nobody to call uh when things got weird. But we actually got a kick out of it. We hear an ah from upstairs <laughs> and crash when and crash when nobody was up there, and we would say, There goes that stupid ghost again or Good thing he he doesn't have any bones, or they would all be broken. And then we'd laugh. Uh, to take to make it even funnier, when we grew up, my parents finally sold the place in the 1980s. My Uncle Ron moved in, and such a clumsy guy would, would, never, would never have walked the earth. He w- was always dropping stuff, especially on his foot. He never mentioned the ghost to us, but if the ghost was actually in the house...
1: They probably uh, got to be great friends. Okay, now that last part is what really grabbed me. Now this is a precious email, Nina. If you're listening, thank you for sending us this. I have run into this before. People who, you know, have reported ghosts, you know, blundering into things or anything else, and some of that could be explainable by, well, maybe they're sharing uh, our space a little bit too uh, physically and, and you know, wherever they may be. or all over yeah, the place. Tripping all over the place. Stepping on the cat or whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, this is, this is hilarious. But anyway, what really got me was the last part of this where her uncle moved into the house. And he himself was extremely clumsy. And then the phenomenon stopped. <laughs> that, uh, well, she didn't say that. I'd like to find out if it did. But according to him, he, he, didn't, say, she, he didn't say anything about it. But I've run into cases in ser- on, on, on a number of occasions where people are actually hearing sounds from the future. They'll, 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 they'll automatically assume, well, it's got to be somebody who died in the house or this, that, and the other thing. And they'll look up history and see, well, who died in the house? And especially here in New England, in a place that's uh, very old or people have lived in great numbers for three or 400 years, every house has somebody who's died. I mean, so what? But, of course, this one was in California, and it apparently was uh, uh, possibly, uh, I'll tell you what could be happening, was that they could have been hearing the uncle. Because I've had this again happen a number of times, as I say. We had one case in Connecticut some years ago uh, where uh, a fellow was uh, saying that were he was hearing the footsteps coming down the stairs uh, all hours of the day and night. And just on a hunch, recorded the sound of the man coming down the stairs in the morning. From his uh, after he'd gotten up and uh, gotten ready for the day and he was coming down the stairs it was exactly the same sound that they they would hear I heard it myself so it was simply uh, the, the guy did this every morning therefore it was if you want, well maybe I suppose in a way this is a kind of a residual thing it was uh, taking place at this in it wasn't recorded it was taking place right then and there in many many different parallel worlds which were close by. The world seemed to operate in families, as I call them, and this is what people were hearing, things that happened every day. So they very well could be hearing the, the, this clumsy ghost, could have been the uncle, living in the house in the future, therefore not a ghost at all. I think that that is a very, very good possibility. But uh, And, of course, it was many years ago, and this is what Nina is remembering. But thank you again, Nina, for uh, writing that in. I think uh, we might. Share this on our local show tomorrow yes. night because it's it's we're talking uh, about yeah, it's Halloween stories, yeah, yeah, pretty extreme paranormal, extreme paranormal, yeah, exactly, it's, extreme in a, in a sort of a, a pleasant sense. It's extremely weird. That's what, it is. yeah, absolutely.
2: Okay, um, so on a more serious note, tell us about the confused ghost you ran into in the Florida
1: hotel. Oh. I, oh, yeah. this, I like this story. Yeah, that was really strange. Yeah, I, <coughs> excuse me, uh, was down there for a conference, and it's, it's really ironic. Uh, now I mentioned this several times on the year before, but the conference was for beginning ghost hunters, something I accepted the invitation to speak at against my better judgment, because I don't think people should ghost hunt. Uh, I was in, I think I don't even like the term. And Anyway, that was in the Tampa area in 2007. As a matter of fact, it took place at the beautiful but supposedly haunted Bellevue Biltmore Hotel in Clearwater. Now, I had been there before, and I had sort of examined the place with uh, one of the, the, the high-ranking staff members, and uh, I, I never really found anything. I mean, it's very old. It's, I believe, the largest uh, occupied wooden building on the East Coast. And uh, in any case, it's quite a quite a lovely place. Uh, there were all sorts of ghost stories attached to the place. Uh, but what I didn't expect was to meet one in my own room. Uh, the rooms in this hotel are large and old, and I immediately felt a human, but not all that pleasant, presence in my room. When I when I moved in for this this weekend conference. I was there by myself, so nobody else uh, was in the room with me. And over the course of that weekend, I spent as much time as I could in there in conversation with a distraught man whose presence, oddly enough, seemed to be up in a corner of the ceiling. But his presence was perfectly physical, no spirits. It was remarkably easy for us to connect. He felt my presence, and I felt his almost immediately. His problem... He had come to the hotel to spend time alone, whether in the future or the past. I never could quite find out. And he was there to decide whether or not to kill himself. And We're going to leave it there because we have another break coming up. And uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben know, on CBS Newsky Radio, newskyradio.com. And uh, we'll be right back to see what happened with this unfortunate man I met in, a, I suppose, in the ethereal form and multiverse form.
3: Take you out of this place Somewhere you can land ahead in return for grace It's a beautiful day at night See the odd fields at first light
0: This radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal. With Paul and Ben Eno. Call now.
1: 248 545 soul.
0: New SkyRadio.com. Believe.
1: And welcome back. And we're in the, just beginning to talk about the remarkable fellow I ran into with the Bellevue, Bellevue Biltmore Hotel in Clearwater, Florida Who uh, most people would describe as a ghost But he happened to be in my room And I would describe him as a parallel world presence Who had come there to decide whether to kill himself I never could tell whether this guy was in the future or in the past Apparently the story was this uh, I spent a long time in conversation with him I just sort of sat in a lotus position on the bed And he was up in a corner of the ceiling for some reason um, His wife was cheating on him Uh, Things were not going well in his small business And they had one son Uh, He thought I was his guardian angel He actually did Uh, I didn't want to get into any details explaining But maybe in a funny multiverse way I kind of was I convinced him that he should give it another try I felt very strongly that his wife uh, Regretted her actions And that her son loved him very much And most of all I pleaded with him Not to do to his son What had been done to me because long-time listeners know that, that my father uh, took his own life when I was seven years old. Uh, it was a terrible experience, and uh, I've missed him all my life, although in the multiverse now, I'm with him just as, as real as I, really as I am with anyone else, but uh, it's a terrible thing to do to your child. Uh, late on that last night, uh, I knew... Uh, by the way, I was speaking at a conference for, for beginning ghost hunters. This is why I was at this hotel. I did not breathe a word to anybody at that conference, that this was going on. Ironically, they rush right in with their oh, gadgets. So, oh, and... it'll be awful. fact, I, mean, I gave up the so-called ghost hunt the, the last night in order to spend time with this guy. But late on that last night, I knew I had gotten through, and that he had decided to give it another go. There was a much more positive feeling in the room, and I like to think that wherever or whenever he was, I talked him into giving his life another chance. He may even have been dreaming when these conversations take place in that room. Uh, it's a perfect example of how we should help our neighbors, even if they're in trouble in a neighboring world. You know, I never did catch his name, and uh, as I say, I didn't breathe the words any. The only the la- the only time anybody ever heard of this was uh, certainly years later on this show when I happened to mention it once or twice. So, anyway, what do you think, Ben? What do I think? Yes, you are an important figure in the show. Here, the only the only thing I could think of is touched by an angel. That's the only thing that's just popping into my head. Yeah, well, I'm no angel, but I mean, I think in this case there may have been some. Well, I like no, to they think just, maybe I they talked just... the guy out of committing suicide. Well, yeah,
2: I mean, what was I going to say? There was whatever. There was there was something going on at the hotel, correct? Like that's why they had the conference there.
1: They're like, oh, it's well. Fine. Yeah, well, th- that was one reason. Also, the, the organizer was in the Tampa area, and most of the participants were from central Florida. So, Yeah, so... Or Western Florida. So this guy you
2: probably just prevented a whole bunch of other stuff from happening, and then that would have stopped a whole bunch of other stuff from happening. So then parasites would have gone in and made things worse, destroyed the business, blah, blah, blah. So, in effect, you talking to this guy committing suicide saved a, saved a lot of trouble and time. For a lot of people, and then I keep thinking, what if you mentioned this during one of your talks? People would just rush right in. Oh, yeah, their gadgets make everything worse, and the
1: guy probably would commit suicide. Well, uh, that's that's possible. I don't know if I follow your, all your reasoning, but yeah, that's entirely possible. Matter of fact, I, I sat there with the conference, and they said, "Paul, if you had one word of advice to give to, to our, our, our upcoming ghost hunters, what would it be?" I would, say, and I said, "Don't." People actually gasped. They couldn't believe I said that. So I said, you know, I mean, I, I, I was invited here, and it gave me my opinion. Said, that was my opinion. So in the meantime, I am dealing. With, I was much more interested in dealing with this guy. Uh, so anyway, I think that was... It just was, sounded like you just didn't want to be there. Well, no. I mean, they, they, were, they were nice people. They're always nice people. And I just said, you know, you, you don't have any idea what you're doing. You have no idea what you're touching. You can create all kinds of havoc... All across the multiverse, We just just don't do it. What bothers me is how I I never
2: understood how this is supposed to help anybody. I mean, did they go? They go in and they got it's haunted, then they
1: leave. I don't. What are they trying to accomplish? Well, you know, inevitably, I think ninety eight percent of the biographies of these people, many of whom are the salt of the earth, good people, really really trying to do something positive, their, their biographies will begin. Well. He or she grew up in a haunted house, and this experience happened to them, and they always wanted to find out what it was about. Yeah, and that's perfectly legitimate. But they have no other background other than having had an experience. Everybody's had experiences. Yeah, I mean, you know, I like to think that I had at least some background when I started in this, from years of seminary training, working with with some of the, fi- you know, of Ryan and, and John Nicola and some of the great names of the day, even Ed Lorraine Warren. Uh, who were the grandfather and grandmother of modern ghost hunting, in my opinion, and so? But even then, you know, I was found out that everything I learned from them was wrong, and everything I believed at that time was wrong. Probably everything I believe now is wrong. Just, just you know, when you take this wild, crazy multiverse approach, that seems to work best, as I said in this earlier case. So, anyway, uh, there we are. I don't think we have any more time. Yeah, we probably have about like four or five minutes. All right. Okay, well, well
2: we can we can discuss unless you want to start any only format. Oh, we four oh, got
1: format. Sorry, thank so unless you. Mr. you s- unless you want to discuss this a little more, rather, yeah. Than well, see like, you, you, you have some you have some good ideas about this. I wish you'd been there.
2: Yeah, me too. But uh, how old was I? I don't know. What year was this?
1: 2007. You, you were already working with me. Was I? You just uh, you had to go to school. Oh yeah, I had school. Yes, uh, so yeah, the, the few details go in the way of like school. Well, so. no, if
2: if I if I there were a lot of things I I regret doing when it comes to school. Anyway, so uh, yeah, going back to the the earlier thing about the guy named Bob who was confused about where he was. So I brought up a point earlier about how maybe this, how him being so confused and being stuck in one place could lend lend to the idea of. The Catholic view of purgatory, which you seem to believe. Well if if, well, at you're, the if, time, you're, yeah. if you're if you're stuck at one point and you're just refusing to accept what is happening, then that would take a really long time for you to accept, say your whole reality crashes down around you. How long could you think for it to take effect not not effect for you to accept
1: that everything has changed? Well, I'm going to give you a funny answer to that because it. Looking back on it, the impression I got was that this really only took not more than a few minutes. The, what seems to have happened again was was the guy, presumably was in this plane crash. Okay, yeah. All of a sudden, he finds himself in a, in a, in a the same body or a different body, in a, in a church in what he said was Virginia. Yeah, and he, his arm hurt and he didn't quite know where he was. It seems that these transitions can take place. I mean, the whole reincarnation thing has you being born again as a baby. I'm sure that that can happen. First thing you know, you're a baby. Uh, Or or it could happen to to full adults. I've I've had people come to me and say that they've had these transformative experiences for no apparent reason, and they felt like there was somebody else, but they can't remember what. And we may have just caught this guy right at that moment when that was happening. A couple of minutes in his world, Oh, as, as similar as it appeared to be to ours, uh, might have been this five-day period or, or this month-long period when these people were hearing these sounds in, in this attic. It's like having a dream. Yeah, very much so. How many dreams are actually multiple multiple world experiences? Well, look at me. I go to. I almost. Uh, I wake up exhausted half the time because I feel like, and I know you you do too, because you feel like you're doing your hardest work in your sleep. I don't remember. I'm right. going to meetings. Really I'm in the good things. world. I'm, I'm meeting with all these I mean, people that don't know what I'm talking about. I think I'm nuts by now. <laughs> but uh, when you live the multiverse awareness, when, when, you, when you're aware of all these different worlds, then there you go. You have all these things uh, happening. You're aware of. Anyway, we're done for the day. So uh, many thanks to our producer Will Cosmic, and we'll see you next Sunday, November sixth, with Ben. No, that's you with
2: with Ben and Ben. <laughs> yes, no, with Paul and Ben. With Paul and myself. And we will welcome reincarnation expert, speaking of which, uh, regression and regression therapist, Mary Gates, for a look at the question, are we our past lives?
1: That will be fun.
2: In the meantime, tune into our New England Drive Time Show on WON 1240 AM and onworldwide.com at 6 p.m. Eastern every Monday. And you can always get free podcasts of all of our shows, along with show schedules and guest information at
1: www.behindtheparanormal.com. Behindtheparanormal.com. And we leave you with a thought from the great 19th century American author, Ralph Waldo Emerson. It isn't the length of one's life that matters, but it's depth. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we will see you next time.